The following audio is via a Skype call. Ah, uh, only all of us could have our own Clarence. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour of a Saturday, and we're very happy once again to be working in the good company of the man who likes to be referred to simply as the dude that's michael roberge mike how you doing today doing well and i like the term working working as in without any glitches or gremlins or any of that stuff if you know what i mean and i think you know what i mean oh we know what you mean so here we are and sounding good very happy to have all of you with us we got a jump on the Christmas season, Suzanne. That was a good idea, you putting that drop, as they call it in the industry, to begin our show about uh, Clarence and angels getting their wings. Well, you know, they start running those Christmas movies in July, and I don't know <laughs> why halfway through the year they decide to run Christmas movies. And there's a lot of places, artsy, craftsy kinds of places, that start doing Christmas in July. So we figured, well, we could do a little Christmas thing here in early November. I understand the stores are going to be putting things on sale right away because the whole Christmas season has been shortened with a very late Thanksgiving. But more importantly, that whole theme applies to our guest today who wrote a book, Walking with My Angels. A true it's story. A true, And we had to do an angel uh, mention of the angels right there up front. And we're looking forward to this gentleman joining us. Mike, is there anything else to report locally? We're in Sarasota, you're in Seattle, and I can't see that far. Well, uh, but the only thing I could add is that our 12-day rainless streak has come to an end. We were shooting for the record. This has been an incredibly dry November, but not today. And let's oh. see what else is going on. Tomorrow's a big day uh, in that the... Uh, there's this football team that's going to play for the MLS championship, and that'll be down at uh, the Clink, as we like to refer to it. That starts at 12 noon, and um, that ought to be a good game. I think the weather's going to cooperate. But, uh, you know, with real football, they play rain or shine. I know, real football, <laughs> meaning soccer. That's right. And we know Mike on Monday night, he'll be bending an elbow with his buddies as the Seahawks take on the unbeaten 49ers. I know where Mike will be. <laughs> Not there. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right on that. <laughs> Very good, then. This esteemed gentleman is with us for the first time. We like to bring in new guests. From the good graces of Marianne Pistana, a publicist who we have grown to enjoy and respect. And she brought us a man named Keith Leon S., who wrote a book called Walking with My Angels, a true story. Let me give him his mad props and let's say hi to him. He's a first-timer. We love our first-timers. Absolutely. Keith Leon S. is a multiple best-selling author, a book publisher, and speaker who's well-known as The Book Guy. His life purpose book called Walking with My Angels, a true story, with a foreword by Chicken Soup for the Soul's J. Jack Canfield was recently released. Keith has appeared on numerous popular radio and television broadcasts, and his work has been covered by Inc. Magazine, LA Weekly, The Huffington Post, I've heard of that, Published Magazine, and Success Magazine, just to name a few. He's a member of the Evolutionary Business Council. Keith's passion is teaching people how to go from first thought to bestseller and to create what he calls the world's greatest business card. And he also loves introducing people to their inner guidance system, 
which in personal terms, he calls heavenly helpers. That will be the subject of today's interview. Welcome to Manson Mitchell for the first time, Keith Leon S. How are you today? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me to the party. We are happy to have you. One of the things I said to Gary, because we live in Sarasota, Florida, and our station for the last 12 plus years has been in Seattle, I always wonder where our guests are, because we're triangulating from somewhere. Gary is right now this morning wearing a shirt, and on the front of it, it says Vermont. We had just spent... uh, part of our September in Vermont, in Burlington and Queechee Gorge. And all of a sudden I look in the book and it says you spend six months of the year in Vermont as well. What part of Vermont? Yeah, Northeast Kingdom, up uh, the other side from Burlington. So ah. up, up northeast by, Can- by Canada, more by St. Johnsbury. But right now I'm in California, Santa Monica. Well, there you oh, go. Oh, really? Okay. Trails in for Route 66, there by the pier. Good times to be had. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We enjoyed Vermont so much, uh, Keith, that we were contemplating maybe making a return trip there next year. We we took a, a New England trip right on the cusp of all the leaves turning this year in late September and uh, really enjoyed that area of the country, Massachusetts, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire. It was our first time up there together, and we uh, we really enjoyed that. So when we saw you were from Vermont, it put a big smile on our faces, and as I said, Gary's wearing one of his Vermont shirts today. But our subject has to do with the angels, and um, mm-hmm. we, we have read the first seven chapters of your book. So we're, we're more than halfway, but we didn't complete it. We feel like we have an awful lot to talk about just from the beginning of the book. And the first thing that, that I wanted to do to introduce the you and the subject to our listeners is children often get talked out of their invisible friends. Why didn't you get talked out of that? Mm. Well, at first, my mom thought that I had a imaginary friend. Uh, yet everything that that he told me, you know, came true over and over again. So she only had to see that so many times before she was like, "Hmm, <laughs> what does he say now? <laughs> what does he say today?" Uh, one of the one of the stories that's in the, in the book is so funny. Is my mom was with a bunch of her friends, and my angel said uh, they were like making fun of me and teasing me and about my imaginary friend and. And so he said, tell them to buy gold. And so I told them, hey, the angel says to buy gold. And they, they ignored me. And back in the 70s, there was a huge, huge gold rush. And, and the price of gold the next day just spiked. And I, I don't know if it quadrupled or like, it went way, way, way up. And uh, and they missed the boat because they didn't uh, they didn't do what he said. But they came back to me and said, you know, what does he say now? What does he say now? And I checked. Hey, what do you want me to tell him now? Oh, he said you should have listened the first time. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny, <laughs> but they, uh, you know, even they were like, "Hmm, maybe, maybe his friend's not imaginary." Keith, you know, I'm a big believer in the concept that, except when we are being kept from the worst of ourselves or kept out of harm's way, perhaps our angels, angel, better angels of our nature, our higher thoughts, higher mind, however we want to designate that higher power. 
will not tell us no. Whenever possible, it seems, the universe says yes. And I say this to you, Keith, because I think it would be great if you would tell the story. Our listeners will love it. The story of you and your utterly unique and wonderful mother and the time you, as a quite young child, got to have an extraordinary experience. And it seems to involve opening a door and saying hello to Bert Convey, which a lot of is a person, uh, he's now passed, but someone whom a lot of us remember from his TV days. And what happened with that? It involved the Jerry Lewis telethon and an extraordinary experience that you got to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, mom was manic depressive and mostly depressive, so she barely got out of the bed. She was sad all the time. But when she was in a great mood, it was over the top and, and nothing, there, there was no limit. Right? No limit. And so uh, when she was on a manic one day, I just uh, we were watching the telephone, and I was like, boy, I'd sure love to answer the phone there. And she's like, well, let's go. And she threw me in the car, and we drove down to the Jerry Lewis telethon. And Jerry was sick that year, and he was being hosted by Bert Combe. So we uh, got out of the car, blew past the line of people waiting to get in. And she, she took me around the side door, and, and there's a bouncer standing there with his arms folded, and she just looks right past him and goes, Bert, darling, Bert, hey, how are the kids? And I guess she had read about him and knew, knew about him and the wife and the kids. She was a fan of his, so she started questioning him in a way that he felt like, do I know her? Like, I should know her. And so, so he said, oh, they're with me. And, and we went right past the guard, and, and she's like, Bert, darling, my son said he wanted to answer the phones. Can we make that happen? Okay, sure. So he walks me uh, up on the set and sits me down next to Susan Day. Oh, my heart throbbed. My, my, my love from the Partridge family, who, whom I was in love with as a kid, and uh, sat me right next to her. So I got to answer the phones next to her and spend time with her and get that kiss on the cheek when we were done. And, and that day, we just got to walk around and I met Rick Springfield and Jack Plugman and I met uh, Sugar Ray Robinson and the list just went on and on and on. And one time I, I wandered off at one point and ended up running into Henry Winkler and spending time with him. And It was just like the day of my life. And so at the end of that day, we were uh, in the car on the way home and, and I questioned my mom and I said, did you, well, let me ask you a question, did you know Bert Convy by any chance before we got there? No, no, I, I read up on him. I knew things about him. But here's what I want you to know, that if you walk into a room as if you own the room, you will own the room. And, you know, she didn't give me a lot of wisdom over the years. She was mostly depressed, but that was one of the things that stuck with me for life from that day, is if you walk into a room knowing and feeling that you'll own the room, you will own the room. Was oh, I love that. Thank you, yeah. Keith, for sharing that. That is extraordinary. Those are words to live by. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just terrific. Confident. And at the tele- in the telethon, I mean, did, off uh, in the wings, did you hear anyone yell out, Hey, lady! <laughs> hey, lady! <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, an extraordinary experience. Been- One of the things that I did not read about yet, Keith, and maybe you can uh, help clarify this, it it seems from your description that the primary angel that was talking to you when you were very young 
seem to be male in your mind. And, uh, yeah. and so you, you talk about him. What, what is interesting to me, I, I spoke with a, a medium about a year ago who said that of, of all of the sensor, sensory clairs that uh, pertain to um, clairsentience or clairaudience or clairvoyance, he said that his favorite was clairaudience or the ability to clear clear hearing because he said when you are visualizing something it's open to interpretation but when you hear the words there's less interpretation if you if you see candles on a cake you say well is that a birthday is that an anniversary was that a wedding you know what was yeah. that but when you hear the words that that is a, a like a very pure form of um, of hearing, clairaudience. And you seem to be hearing your angel in many of the stories that you tell. You hear voices. When you were talking yeah. with your angel, what kind of conversations did you have? Well, you know, this happened from childhood, and I feel like the, the reason that this voice was outside of me instead of inside of me like, like it is now was so I could wrap my head around that as a child. And, and he, he would speak to me from different places, so like up in the ceiling in the corner or right behind me or right in front of me so that my mind would be able to make sense that if this was a person right standing or floating, like I would know where they were. And I think that helped me wrap my mind around it because if the voice was just in my head, even as a child, I might have thought I was crazy. <laughs> like, am I, am I going crazy? And, uh, and the reason that I think that it was a, a male voice, because I do tend to attract a lot of like more female archangels and, and angels now, um, but I, I'm sure the reason that it was a male voice to me was because I didn't have, my fa I didn't have a father, you know, and, and I was raised by women, so I had no, no male figure around. So it was just nice for me to have that the voice that was advising me, that was keeping me out of harm's way, that was um, really guiding me, and and just everyday conversations we would have, and, and I could ask this angel anything, and uh, even one of the things, uh, when I was walking with my mom down the street as a child, there was this girl who was playing in front of her apartment building, and he said, see that girl? And I said, yeah, said, that'll be your wife today, and uh what? That's going to be my wife? Hey, hey, mom, this angel said that little girl's going to be my wife one day. And, and then it was kind of a running joke with my mom and I, because we'd walk by there all the time. She'd be like, there's your wife. There's your wife. And because of that, I really paid attention to paid attention to her and, and where she played. And when we walked up the alley by her house, I could hear her voice coming out of a certain window, which I assumed was like her bedroom, because she was in there playing all the time. And if she was now front and Later, much later, uh, I met and, uh, and I told her that story. And she, she, she too thought it was a little crazy, but when I took her to her apartment building and said, you used to play there and let's go up the alley, I think that was your bedroom because that's where you'd be playing. And she was just like, whoa. Well, if an angel told you that we're supposed to be together, maybe I should at least give this a chance. <laughs> right. And she that did. Was, uh, yeah. She, she paid attention. She up, yeah. She ended up being my wife for 13 years. I call my, my practice wife. Practice <laughs> wife. I like that. Did you ever get a name were... of your angel, Keith? Did he, did he ever say, call me this or call me that? 
he did. He did. Uh, and I that wasn't in myself. the book, was it? That's, no, that's the one thing that I keep to myself. And even okay. the name of the angel that, that is an earthbound angel that you read about in the book that I worked with in my early 20s. Right. I believe in nothing to, to everything and gave me my life purpose and saved my life, all of that. Uh, even uh, John, that's that's not the, the name that he uses as he walks and talks upon the earth, but helping other people do the same work he did with me. Um, I called him John for the sake of the book because I don't want to out him that he's right. still doing that right. work. Well, we, we, we respect your privacy on that, so that's fine. Um, the reason yeah. that I mentioned it is that... Um, uh, Gary and I went to Lilydale up in New York some years ago, and one of the classes was on identifying you, one of your angels, your your gatekeeper uh, on the other side. Mm-hmm. And and Gary and I went into um, a deep trance in this class, and we we came up with the names of uh, our angels. And, and the, it was verified by the person leading the class with a dousing rod so that when people mm-hmm. would say, I think my angel's name is, you know, John or, or Sam or, or Judy or whatever it was, the dousing yeah. rod would say yes or no to that. And it was interesting mm-hmm. to me that almost everybody in the class actually got it right according to the dousing yeah. rod. And uh, right. and mine was close. Mine was off by one letter, and so when I mm. when I said the name, it was like not, that's not quite it, but it was it was yeah. very close to what I had thought. So I'm glad to know that you had a name, and if you if you didn't reveal yeah. it or don't want to, I don't have a problem with that. But it's interesting that yeah. your conversations were not just about who you were going to marry or buying gold, but you you talked about everyday things with your angel and 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 it's also interesting to me that you were not talked out of that the way so many children are you know put away your invisible right. friends that doesn't really exist you know you know there's nobody there right and so most yeah. children lose that connection with the angelic realm because their their parents can't see that. And I think it was kind of extraordinary that your mother let you have your invisible friend and even encouraged it when so many parents would not. Yeah. Well, there were, there were so many things like there, there was a time when I could have been molested behind this church and and this man, uh, came to me and, you know, made me an offer and, uh, and the angel told me exactly what to say and do to get out of that situation. You know, yell, mom, 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 as well as you can. I'm like, mom, mom, mom. And the guy's like, oh, zipped up and ran away. And, and then he's like, now go home, run home immediately and tell your mom what just happened. And, and so there, there were just so many times when he got me out of harm's way, like literally saved my life. Uh, and all the things that I shared with, with mom, you know, my angel said this, my angel said that, and they all came true. So, so that's the thing is, even if, if you as a parent, those listening, don't have that evidence where where your child's sharing with you what they're saying and then you see it come true even if you're not you're not getting the evidence you know allow them to have that that piece you know it's most likely true and even if they had an imaginary friend what would what would be wrong with that if it helped them really uh, be into to able to tap into their own inner guidance and make right choices even if it's based not on hearing their angel's voice what would be wrong with that we just let the, the 
children have have their inner guidance be active, be live, and be okay with that. And they might uh, just guide us as well as we listen to them. Uh, that's one of the things my my son. When people uh, there, there have been times where there supposedly no jobs available, and he has like two or three jobs. People are like, "How come you? How can you have a job right now when nobody has a job?" And my father said, "Did your parents ever tell you that you know you couldn't have a job whenever there's a drought?" Yeah. Well, my dad never told me that. He said, "You know, there's always abundance. You can have anything. You just have to show up and be willing, willing and ready to do the work. Keep showing up, and eventually they'll get sick of seeing you and hire you." <laughs> I thought it was interesting you named your son after a very good childhood friend and there was a time when not only you were saved but your childhood friend was saved as well yeah, yeah that amazing you want me to share that story please please do oh boy well my, my best friend Timar had uh, turned 16 and for his birthday he got a 69 Mustang. Oh, the most beautiful car. And we jumped in that car at night, and he wanted to show me how fast it would go. And so there's a big, long, long strip with no lights by where we lived. So he opened it up, and we're, we're doing 90 miles an hour. And I remember looking over and seeing 90, and it was, it was going up. And, but then we are also coming up to uh, an intersection, the very end of the small street. And there was... Uh, few cars at the intersection and so he starts to pump the brakes and it, nothing's happening and he's dude no brakes and he's freaking out he's pushing them and nothing's happening and we're getting closer and closer to the intersection and finally finally he pushes it and they lock up and so smoke is you know smoke is pouring out the back we're sliding towards towards the cars in the intersection and and somehow like mario andretti he like whips to the left and then he whips to the right to avoid the cars but unfortunately, when he whipped to the right, the car went to the left and slammed into this giant power box that was on a, a little miniature island, and that was the power box that ran the lights on the corner, and uh, right by our junior high, by the way. So we slammed into that box. We both heard glass break, metal ripple, like it was a horrible wreck. And then we both went into what's called a, a life review. So instantly I'm in the womb. I come out of the womb and, and like a movie and very fast, I see all the snapshots, all the key moments of my life, all the things that have happened rolling as a film from birth to that moment. So I see all those key moments. I see again, dude, dude, no breaks. Oh, we slide, we crash. And then right when we crashed, everything in my movie stops. It just rolls. It stops. And then it starts rolling in reverse. And I see the same exact movie in reverse all the way back through all the moments, back to childhood, back to in the womb again. And then when I got to in the womb again, then I woke up, as did he at the same time. And now we're out of the intersection, about a half a block. The car's parked on the side of the road. And he's like, dude, did your life just... And I go, flash before your eyes. And he's like, yes. And he's like, oh, my God. And he goes, my dad's going to kill me because we know the car's wrecked. So we jump out of the car to do to survey the situation. And we, we both come around the car, and nothing's wrong with the car. And, and it's on, and it's purring, and it's fine. The 
only thing that is missing is the rear hubcap where we hit the you know hit the island right before we hit the box. And so we go to retrieve the hubcap, and first we're kind of tripping out because all the cars are gone. And and usually if you know if there's somebody gets in a wreck, then people come to your aid, right? They're grabbing their phones, they're like doing whatever they can to help you, but everybody's gone. So it's as if we like jumped a timeline or something. So nobody's there. The hubcap is in the middle of the intersection, and we go to retrieve that, and then we look to the little island right next to that power box that we hit, and there's a big, giant scrape in the asphalt right by the uh, power box. And this is that chunky black asphalt that was really soft that we used to have back in the day before they come up with that hard gray stuff, right? And so there was a scrape in that curb that proved to us and showed us that we had we had indeed hit the box and that all of that had happened, and that we had literally uh, either jumped a timeline or time reversal or however you want to look at it had been saved from that situation because we both lived through, experienced exactly the same same thing, only his life review was his life review. So we got in the car, That's, and I'll never wow. forget this. We, we, we get back in the car, and he looks at me, and he goes, you know that God stuff you're talking about all the time? And I go, yeah. He goes, all this time I thought you were full of crap. But right now, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, I believe. I believe. I believe. <laughs> Keith, I'm curious to know, if there had been, as we have in many municipalities, if there had been a traffic camera they're recording it, this is the observer effect, right, at some remove because they're recording it and then looking yeah. at it. If that were there, I would love to know what it recorded, if anything. That would be bizarre. Oh, cool. They didn't have that yet. <laughs> they did not have that yet. I was 17, so we're talking about uh, 80. Some time ago. 80. <laughs> yeah, some time ago. <laughs> and by that time, the Partridge family was no longer on the air, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> We are talking with Keith Leon S. He has written a book, and even the writing of the book and how that came about, that would be a nice thing to go to next. The man's full of stories. Some people might say, I don't know, maybe he's full of beans telling these stories the way they are. Well, you know what? There are witnesses. There are people who had shared experiences with him. Is it strange? Is it bizarre? Is it from the twilight zone? I don't know, but these stories are fascinating, and we have more of them on the way. On the other side of a short break, we're going to jump the timeline, but by just a couple of minutes to get these breaks out of the way. That's what we have to do. And then more of Walking With My Angels, a true story as written by Keith Leon S. And even the way that this book came to be born, came to fruition, is a story unto itself. Maybe we'll pick that up on the other side of this break. We are Manson Mitchell. You are listening to us, and we're just so happy about that. Thank you for tuning in to Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. 
Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. The holiday gift-giving season soon will be right around the corner. It's not too early to fuel the open road dreams of special people in your life with a subscription to American Road Magazine. With exciting features, quality writing, and beautiful photography in every issue, American Road makes a perfect gift for road-tripping moms and dads, gallivanting grandparents, adventurous aunts and uncles. Maybe that special friend will enjoy it, too. Visit AmericanRoadMagazine.com. That's AmericanRoadMagazine.com. Click subscribe, and for a limited time, you can enter the code KKNW to receive 25% off your subscription. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed back Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. to talk about the art of love and the Toltec messages of freedom and personal power. On Saturday, the dream doctor herself, Kelly Sullivan Walden, returns to explore the role of mysticism in dreams. Bringing you fascinating talk since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call. Send me an angel, please. Send me an angel. Yes. Very good. Very 80s, by the way. (laughs) Yes, it is. Our guest this hour is Keith Leon S., who wrote a book called Walking with My Angels. You have written other books, Keith, and you are in a number of books, having been a contributor. If people would like to get in touch with you, do you have a website? Where can they get your book? Um, Anything else that will help people connect with you? Now is the time to spill the beans. (laughs) <laughs> great, great. Well, to get the book, go to walkingwithmyangelsbook.com. That's walkingwithmyangelsbook.com. And when you get to that site, it'll have a link that says, you know, click off to Amazon and you can get the book however you like, whatever form you like in at Amazon. But then you come back and you put in the order number and your name, and you will receive over $1,600 in support products. They didn't want you to read the book and then say, oh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to work with my angels and have no tools for that. So so I got uh, I donated myself and got some of my incredible mentors to uh, donate some free gifts for you. So walkingwithmyangelsbook.com to find out uh, more about me, more about uh, this project. And, and I'm out on a tour giving workshops to help you to communicate with your Heavenly Helpers. And uh, you can go to Beyond Belief Publishing. Beyond Belief Publishing. Find out more information about that. Wonderful, Excellent. Keith. Thank you. We're enjoying the book so much. Walking with My Angels, a true story. You're a great storyteller, by the way, Keith. Gary and I have really been enjoying reading the book. The way that you tell things is, is very, very interesting. Mm, thank you. And I put this on Facebook and Twitter last night saying exactly that. So thanks for making me look good. (laughs) We have to keep that energy up. This book itself. uh, Yes, you were going to say. Mm, 
That's it. Oh, my turn. Um, well, that's fine. I just I wanted to give the title Walking with My Angels, a true story. Keith, there's a story behind the creation of this book and the title itself. And I seem to recall you were taking a hike. Was it not with your life coach, a good friend and supporter of yours, when all of this this came to fruition as an ideation, when you knew that it was time to do this book and you said so to your friend? Yeah, and I had waited 28 years for that because 28 years previous to that, angels and avatars and spirits and in an out-of-body experience told me my life purpose, why I was here on Earth, that I would write this book called Walking with My Angels, and that I would be prompted as the next steps for my whole life, basically, what to do in each moment to lead me up to writing this book. And then I waited and waited kept doing the next steps and doing what I was told and waited and waited as so the book starts where I'm walking with my dear friend up in Vermont on a hike and, and she says, hey, when are you going to do that angel book? And I said, yeah, when am I? And then she goes, what? And I go, sorry, that wasn't for you. <laughs> Not for you, the attitude, that's for them. When am I going to do that book? And so we, we kept hiking and then, uh, and then I heard, it's time. And I go, time for the book? And my friend said, what? I said, shh. Like, I've been waiting for 28 years for this. Let me hear it. And uh, and so they said, yes, it's time for the book. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for asking that question, I told my friend, because finally I had been told that it was time to write the book. And so she, being a, a coach, like a life coach, immediately jumped into action. Like, when? When will you start? How will you do it? And, and got me creating a plan. So as soon as I got home from the hike, I... Uh, I mapped out a time that I would start writing this book, and and really it was it was three books. I wrote three books in eight days, which is just amazing. It was nine days, but one of those days was spent on a project uh, for my wife for her birthday, so it was eight days. And then the three books ended up getting edited into one really great, you know, really good sized book because my editors said like where the first first book was going to end they're like if you left me right there i would just be so mad at you we've just got to put it all into one book <laughs> so they talked me into doing one book instead of three and just keeping it uh moving along and keep it specifically angel related and, and i trusted that but the reason that uh what you shared with that that it's uh it is storytelling because i was able to work with the angels around the clock so when I say it was eight days, it was eight days. Like, I barely slept, and I, w I started out by typing, and I would type until my arms were cramping, and then I would put on a headset and open up Drag Dragon Naturally Speaking, which is where you speak, and it types that. And I did that until I couldn't sit in the chair anymore, jumped in a car, drove down by the river, and I was whispering into my phone, into notes, and then sending the notes via email back to the house. Going back to the house when I was done with that, cutting and pasting into a document until my voice, uh, until my arm was rested, and then I would start again. And I just did that around the clock. And, uh, and what happened was where over the 28 years, I remembered some stories and I remembered the metaphors, but I didn't remember details. When I sat down and invited the angels to write this book with me and through me, uh, I remembered every word. Like, he said that, and then I said that, and he said that, and I said that, and back and forth and back and forth. So it was total recall and uh, capturing all of that, which was a blessing, because then I got to live through and experience, again, everything that you read in the book. I got to be reminded of all those great lessons that I learned, and, and uh, everything that you'll experience in reading the book, I got to experience as well during the process. 
Keith, when we were reading early on in the book and you had an angel that was speaking to you, a a male uh, voice that you heard uh, physically, um, later on you talk about um, several angels being in a hospital room or even an earthbound angel that you met. So it seems like uh, when you say walking with my angels, you're not talking about one guardian angel, but multiples of angels. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know what distinction that you made. Uh, obviously, there would have been a big distinction between the one that you heard and the one that was earthbound. What had you deciding that uh, the, the earthbound angel that you met was actually an angel? Well, the the one that I met in my early 20s that took me from believing in nothing to believing in everything and got me to, you know, revealed my life purpose to me and was the one that facilitated the out-of-body experience that told me I would write this book, right? All of that is in the book. Um, he told me I'm an earthbound angel and, and where people call people who do good deeds for them earthbound angels, that's not what we are. And I was like, what we are? What are you talking about? <laughs> Tell me more. And, uh, he said he was an etheric angel, so he was a spirit, but then he's been dropped into a body, and he gets assigned to certain people, and then he has to go to that person and befriend them, and ultimately his job is to save them from from dying before their predetermined expiration date. So that's what he was there to, not only to take me from believing in nothing to believing in everything, because that's where I was at that point, uh, but he would also save my life and reveal my life purpose to me. And once he had saved my life, I had to let him go. So that's one earthbound angel. Uh, one you were talking about as well at the hospital was when my son had an emergency uh, brain surgery, and my wife and I were accepting nothing but complete and perfect healing for our son, even though you know people were trying to tell us different. We wouldn't let anybody even go there. And the two times that I was really not uh, where I started to stray. My mind started to go to a really dark place. Um, There was an orderly who walked through both times and said, no, 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 he's going to be all right. He's strong. He's going to make it. You know, you need to know that. And and he said these things to me that got pulled me back and and then walked out of the room. And so when my son did have a miracle healing and, and have emergency brain surgery and walked out of the hospital four days later, with all of his abilities, uh, I went to and asked if I could speak to that orderly so that I could thank him personally for being there for me the two times that I, I was not uh, being positive, you know, and started freaking out. And uh, and all the nurses on the floor, including the, the woman who hires everybody, said, yeah, there's nobody that matches the description that you just gave us on this floor. And so, uh, so that orderly who had to me, showed up as an orderly that came through twice, uh, did not exist in anybody else's uh, experience at the hospital. And so my whole life has been filled with those people that come and go and and share wisdom and knowledge with me, and not everybody else in the room sees them. (laughs) So, so, and, and sometimes they do. So that's the thing, is there there are angels that walk among us, there are angels uh, that are always with us, like guardian angels, at least, uh, all of us have at least one guardian angel. And this is what I, I want you to know. We all have at least one guardian angel, 
And they have two jobs only. One, love you unconditionally. And the second job is get you to your predetermined expiration date. There's a time that you agreed to be on this earth, and they need to get you to that. Because there's so many moving parts now, right? We've got planes, trains, automobiles, gang fights. We've got, I mean, we've got everything going on around us. So they're on high watch, making sure that we get to that date that we're supposed to be here until. So that's their job. And I'll put that in air quotes. That's their job. Anything other than those two things, because we have free will, this thing called free will, if you want anything other than that, you must invite them. You must evoke them. You must ask. You must say, hey, guardian angels, first of all, thanks for keeping me alive. Appreciate it, right? I realize that you're unconditionally loving and, and all of that, but, but Keith told me that here's what I need to do. <laughs> I need to ask you and invite you and say, please show up for me. Like, like, let me know that you're there. Show up for me however you want to do that, that you know that my mind can kind of wrap around it. So if it's a voice in my head, great. If it's a just an answered uh, question through a song right after I ask the question. If it's showing up to me physically where I can see you, like however you want to show up that you know that I'll be able to get and understand, I'm open to that. I'm willing. And now I want you to know I'm paying attention, I'm listening, I'm watching. Show up for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So it is. Amen. However you like to end a, a, your prayer, you know. And, um, and when you do that, it's like dialing in a radio station. You know, it's, first it's a little staticky. You're going back and forth, and it got that static. But, but when you get it dialed in, and your folk, you know, that station is in, it's clear. And that's what this is like. The more you pay attention, pay attention for your heavenly helpers, and you're looking for them, the more you'll see that they not only will continue to show up for you, but have been showing up for you your whole life. Well, thank you for, for that. Uh, you, you talked about you had gone into a dark place when this angel came along and said, he's going to be fine. You know he's going to be fine. You know, don't think otherwise. This idea yeah. of paying attention and this idea of dark energies, dark thoughts, um, mm -hmm. it seems to me that uh, if you're saying that we all have angels, and most of us don't um, have, an, have a relationship with them the way you have had a relationship with them. Is it our dark thoughts that are keeping us from seeing and recognizing the angelic realm, which is here to help us? Yeah, it's our, our dark thoughts, which are, if you really think about it, are created by media, created by any negative people that you've been around with, uh, some TV shows that we watch, right? We just have all this negative energy coming at us, so that creates negative thoughts in the subconscious mind. Those thoughts, yes, keep keep the better thoughts away from us, those thoughts that are for us, right? Keeps um, our attention away from what's real. And that's, what's real is that we are made up of the pure energy that some people call God, Spirit, Universe, and for the sake of this book, I'm saying angels, right? I call them angels because I've had experience directly with angels, but you may call the same exact thing intuition, source, inner knowing, God, Spirit, Universe, Allah, Jehovah, Jesus, like, it doesn't care what you call it as long as you call it. 
So that's the thing that I love to teach people and, and teach people at my events and is how to sit, ask, and listen. A lot of us are sitting, meditating, praying. You know, we sit down, we take some breaths, and then a lot of us are asking questions all day long, you know, asking questions. But when do we really sit long enough to hear the answer to the question that we ask? When do we pay attention and stay focused long enough to receive the answer to that one question we asked before moving on to 20 more? And, and the more you can stay focused on one question and do that consistently, the quicker you'll receive the answer. And the more you string those together, then your belief system starts to really uh, believe, and your subconscious mind will start to buy in, and you'll start to then start to see even greater manifestations. Right? So start with something really small, right? a really small ask, and get a bunch of evidence that, yes, this happens, this is true, and you keep building on that and building on that. And that's how you build up to the point of you know being able to have a conversation with, with an angel, because you go from A to Z to from like I believe I don't know if I believe to and then an angel appeared to me and showed me in you know true form that they were an angel. Sometimes it's it's hard to go from there to there, right? From A to Z. So we take those baby steps, those evocations, those invitations for proof, if if you will, uh, invite them to show you all the ways that they're showing up. And when you put together a series of baby steps, and you start to really see how true it is, and that will open up a whole world to you of, of more positive energy. Like you said, more positive things happening in your life. If you want to just say law of attraction instead of angels, the more we focus on positive things, the more we'll have positive in our life. The more we are grateful for what we have, the more we will have to be grateful for. So it's, it's all the same laws of the universe it's, we're all saying the same thing, just putting different words on it. So I'm calling the angels for the sake of this book, because that's my direct experience. I think that is a great way of framing it, Keith, because there are people who are rather more left-brained than your average bear, and when they look at any situation or any number of stories, they might at first doubt them, but then something happens yeah. to them. Maybe it's a major synchronicity, yeah. something that alters the course of their own life. And so they can't think in the same categories as before. And it could be a, a, a very nasty scrape where they narrowly escape serious injury or even death. And they say something spontaneous like my angels were looking out for me. And maybe they didn't believe in angels before that. And yet there is this yeah. new category of thought. I like to quote Ernest Holmes, well, uh, in many ways. He was the founder of religious mm -hmm. science, the author of The Science of Mind, an extraordinary man and mind in his own right. And one of the things he says mm -hmm. that has always stuck with me is that God is personal to all who sense this indwelling presence. And the reason mm -hmm. why I like that so much, Keith, is that when we start to pay attention, we sense an indwelling presence and we begin to develop an intimate relationship with that presence and feel like it is inescapably or inextricably a part of ourselves. Yes, yes. And he also said there's a power in the universe greater than us, and we can use it. And that's my favorite Ernest Holmes quote as well. Uh, there were three promises that, that, that angels, entities gave to me in an out-of-body experience that you'll read about in the book. And these three promises were so incredible and so great at the time that I couldn't even 
wrap my mind around it. And, and one was that my voice will heal the masses. My voice heals. So whether you hear me speak, whether you hear me sing, uh, however my voice comes to you, uh, healing happens. And so if you haven't already, just during this interview, felt something shift in, in the next day, week, however long it takes, there will be some type of healing that happens. Um, that's just a promise from them that I keep. People keep coming and telling me over and over and over again that they experienced. Another thing was that anybody who held the book that they gave to me, right, walking with my angels, holds the book in their hands will be raised to their next level of vibration. So the whole book is about raising the vibration of the planet, and so so just holding it in your hands, like you don't even have to read it, just holding it, you will receive what you're supposed to receive. They told me this. I didn't. I didn't make this up. And then the third piece was what you spoke to at the very beginning of, of this particular. Uh, what we're talking about right now is that that people, my angel people, who love angels and are spiritual, they're going to be attracted to the book anyway because it's it's angels, right? Uh, but what this book will also do is it will reach people who would never consider angels. That they told me that, that they would see me like a businessman in, in Boston, right? <laughs> would would see me and go like, what? But he's a businessman. He's a successful businessman. He's a speaker. He's a best-selling author. He's a father. He's a he's all of this. And he's talking about angels? Like, well, maybe maybe I'll give it a chance, right? Maybe I'll just start reading it. And, and that if somebody has a closed heart and holds to the book, it will open a little. If somebody's already halfway open and they hold the book, it will open even greater, and they'll go to their next level of vibration. And if somebody already is my, you know, spiritual and angel person, uh, I can't wait to hear the stories of what happens for them if, when they're raised to their next level of vibration. So those are the, the three promises and, and why I'm out on the road and enjoying and loving this work that I do, and because I keep hearing these miracles come back to me. Here's what happened for me. Here's what happened for me when I read your book. And, and uh, that's that's the work when I get to know that I made a difference on this planet um, that makes it just worth everything. I, I have, uh, Keith, I have two angels in our house. One angel is a small figurine of probably no more than four inches or so that was given to me by my brother decades ago, years and years and years ago. And I, I used to bring it out every Christmas. And one year after we moved here to Sarasota, I took it out for Christmas and I never put it back. I left it right next to me uh, near my bed on the nightstand so that every single night I look at that angel and I feel like an angel is watching over me. And then for no particular reason, we had some friends over to dinner and they brought a bottle of wine and an angel. And I hung up the mm. angel on the opposite end of the house. So I've got angels on both ends of our house. And talking to you mm. today just reminds me of that because I live with them in such a way that I don't even think about it most of the time. They're just there every mm. day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, I'm with you. And that yeah, I'm, how, I'm all about the angels. How, that is how we live our lives totally protected by angels and most of us are not knowing not knowing how present they really are in our lives until we bring an awareness to it and then we'll start to see and notice how much they're showing up for us. 
Yeah, it seems in reading your book that yours had to be working overtime, Keith. Your stories are so <laughs> fascinating, but they were there are many life and death stories in your book where you were saved repeatedly. And um, mm-hmm. and there there had to be a reason for that because you were yes. just not going to go before your expiration date, even though there were many times when that could have happened. And it makes for fascinating reading in Walking with My Angels. And in the last two minutes, I just want to throw in there, Suzanne wanted to mention this, and then we got into the stories and time just ran. Time stretches only so far, and then it snaps back and we have to get off the air. But what I wanted to say, Keith, is that it's great to find a community, a a big church, for example, or a small one if you prefer, or you might make pilgrimages such as we have made upstate New York, not too far from Vermont at that point. Suzanne and I visited Lilydale back in 2013 and met some very lovely spiritual people who believe in spiritualism and mediumship as well as healing is practiced there. And we found that there were kindred souls with whom we had shared experiences and common values. That can be very transformative. Mm, Absolutely. Yes, yes. I I love uh, and have been part of many of those communities. Uh, one of them being the Agape Spiritual Center in California, Reverend Michael Beckwith's church, and uh, and and Science of Mind, Ernest Holmes, as you said, I am a, actually a practitioner in that faith as well. So it's wonderful to I love to visit all faiths, and because I know we're all saying the same exact thing using different words, so I'm kind of a chameleon in that I can just uh, plug in anywhere. And that there won't be anything that I say will that will offend anybody because I have a, a universal message and no attachment to being right about anything, and that seems to be a seems to really work. It's a great way to stay out of your own Keith, way. What a what a one! I'm so happy that we met you today. Thank you for writing this wonderful book, Walking with My Angels: A True Story. Keith Leon S. Extend the invitation, Suzanne. We're down to the last few seconds. Last few seconds. Will you join us again and talk about more stories? Ah, I would love it. Absolutely. Great. Okay, we'll make it a date. We'll, Thank we'll you. have part number two. Keith Thank you Leon very much, S., everybody. Uh-huh. Suzanne, who's coming up next? Next we have uh, Jupiter Rising. Rising. That's right. And we hope that you're having a great weekend underway already. We'll be back next Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific on AM 1150. Have a great day, everyone. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.